Welcome to Ozarks Hates and Hooch. This ain't no fancy, academic, check your references kind of deal. We are two sisters from the Ozarks, sipping and spewing about Hanks, Hooch, and history. everybody welcome to ozarks haints and hooch this is dawn i'm here with dina Say hello yep and uh we're doing we're in our sixth season episode three so uh dina's got the big story tonight i get to do all of the housekeeping um you're probably hearing my heater it's it's chilly uh, today in South Carolina tonight, actually. So I'm I'm in my back. And it's like 65 in Missouri. Well, it was 61 or two. I mean, they keep saying it's going to be 70 degrees, and then it's not, which is fine with me because I hate bugs, and it it doesn't get cold here. All the bugs live, and so. Um, anyway, uh, okay, so uh, you can find us on all the social medias. Well, not all of them, just Facebook and Instagram, but that's that's good. Um, we're sorry for Elvis. Um, you got the door open. Elvis is going to come in and start screaming in about 20 minutes because he's going to think it's time to eat. Uh, we have different Wi-Fis. Um, we are on every podcast platform. Please subscribe and give us five stars or five thumbs up or whatever they have. We try to release on the 1st and the 15th of each month. We've been doing pretty good. Um, Dina's going to talk about her life, though, and we may have to skip an episode coming up. Um, we have a patron, Patreon. Uh, please become our patrons. We really thank the people that are and appreciate them. Um, you get kind of cool stuff. If you give us a dollar or two or five every month, we sure appreciate that. We have a website, Ozarks Haints and Hoots. Hooch. God, I've been drinking the drink, man. OzarksHaintsandHooch.Weebly.com. And um, the only shout out I have there, I have been talking to some people on Reddit. Um, somebody came on uh, the subreddit Ozarks and was like, hey, is there any place that, that tells stories like ghost stories about the Ozarks? And I was like, yes, there you Hello. Hello. <laughs> anyway, I had a little conversation with whoever that was. And I'm like, we know everything. And I try to post on love my Ozarks and some of those Facebook subgroups. Like if they talk about, Oh, somebody talked about the albino farm and I'm like, Ozark Saints and Hooch did an episode on that. So you all yeah. can do that too, if you want to. Um, yeah. So that, I think that's everything. Uh, you want to, do we want to, you want to tell them about your life and everything that's happening? Um, okay. Let me well, tell you. The whole family is in an uproar. Okay, go. You make that sound bad. It's it's good things. It's just really close together. Mm -hmm. So my oldest, Peyton, and her fiance have set a date, which they set it several months ago for April twenty seventh. They're getting married. They're getting married on his farm. Um, it, it's. She's got her dress. Her dress is beautiful. It's going to be fine. Uh, Parker, who is my 
Well, he's my third oldest, but he's actually my second born because we have Keith thrown in there. And he, I didn't have him biologically. <laughs> um, Parker and his fiance, Lexi, came to us last week and said, we've set a date. And we were like, yay, because we've been waiting. And then he goes, May 5th. And I went, what? <laughs> If you remember, I said that Peyton and Evan are getting married April 27th and Parker's getting ma married May 5th. That is a whole week and a day apart. But but Jacob and I are very happy because if they got married farther apart, I could probably come, but Jacob wouldn't be able to take the leave to come. And he's like, how do I decide? So, you know, it's a good yeah. thing. It's it a is. We went and looked at their venue last night. It's very pretty. I went with, uh, I met Lexi and all of her people, like her side of the family and her, some of her bridesmaids. I met them up at um, Norman's tonight and uh, saw her dress. It's very pretty. It's very sparkly. It's the exact opposite. Like Peyton and Lexi have the exact opposite opposing taste. Yeah. So they're both very pretty dresses, but they're nothing alike. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and I go back to work March 1st. <laughs> oh, you do? I didn't know that. Oh. Hey, next week I may have an announcement. Um, mom and Dina are doing the flowers for Peyton's wedding, and Dina just told me that mom said <laughs> oh, oh well, we'll make fun of her. I'm gonna make fun of you. Uh, Mom can only do one thing a day. Uh, we don't know what keeps her so very busy, but she told <laughs> Dina she can only make one a day, which made she's me just make one a day. Um, she made fun of herself for saying that because she is not. She's tired. She watches the news channel on TV all day long. That's what she does right now. Yeah, but not Fox News. Thank God. No, 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 because she is not a Trumpster. No. She is not. I, oh. I feel responsible for that and I'm proud of myself. So yeah, yeah. Uh, All right. Well, okay. So, so there you go. That's my life in a nutshell. Everyone pray for me. Okay, let me take me the gift, Juju. Can I do, laugh do at the Peyton? Things. Can I laugh at Peyton too and tell the people what she wanted for her wedding songs? No, not yet. You have okay. to wait. Because she does still want those. I book. know. So she asked Jacob and I to play something that there is no way on this green earth that I could do it on a guitar. And I don't know that Jacob could do it either. So we're freaking out a little bit. I texted her today and went, hey, anytime we have an update on the music situation, that would be great. Because yeah. Jacob and I both- Did she text you back? No, not a word, not an oh. emoji not a punctuation mark all right well she sent me some pictures that dv had actually sent me to so maybe i can say hey you need to answer dawn yeah i'll do that after this okay all, all right. right go on with the drink then. all right since uh <laughs> i i like it i mean which yeah. is weird for me because i don't like juice stuff usually but um this drink is called the molly cocktail so it uses two ounces of vanilla vodka, one ounce of pomegranate juice, 
a half an ounce of grenadine and pomegranate pulp. So you put ice in a shaker, you put all that stuff in a shaker, except the pulp. You shake it up, strain it into a coupe or a saucer. That's a, yeah. And then you garnish with the pulp <laughs> on the, um, you'll see on the, in, on the uh, website, but on the original recipe, it said energizing with an exclamation point. Yeah. Okay. Sure. That's what alcohol does to me is energize <laughs> me. No, it makes me sleepy. Oh, this, um, this way right now I'm going to say. Okay. I did not have any vanilla vodka, so I just regular vodka and I put vanilla extract in it. Taste that's what I did. Fine, you don't want a whole lot though. Um, I also Dina had the pulp, but I didn't. So oh, anyway. this was the most expensive drink. I had the vodka; it still cost me nine dollars. And I'm ketoing and shouldn't even be having this. Yeah, too bad. She makes me drink shit all the time. I don't like so. Not because you're ketoing. I mean, you don't no, want I it mean, because it's like I have like not felt good, and I've still made a shot glass full of the drink or whatever. So I'm like, yeah, you have to make I'm it. Drinking it. I'm drinking it. It's good. It's not too horrible. Like when I was looking at the serving size, the 39 was for like half a bottle. So I had two ounces. So what? Yeah, it's not as bad. 39 grams of carbs is what that oh, one oh. bottle of palm had but that was two servings and I that was like the whole you know the whole bottle was 39 grams whereas I had two ounces out of the 39 grams okay. so yes. it's not as bad as I thought it was it's not and if you all have ever had pomegranate juice by itself it's not very sweet that's why I like it and it's not very acidic which doesn't give me heartburn so i like this drink a lot i think that might be a summer drink for me maybe no, it's not bad maybe if you put some like it's too strong for me i, I would maybe put some club soda or something in it to no well the ice it. is doing it for me i don't know i guess I yeah know. i guess i like fizzy okay but yeah uh okay that's it now on with the story about why this is called the molly cocktail or why the cocktail is called the molly cocktail all right well sometimes i'll be online and i'm not even looking for story ideas i'm just kind of you know scrolling and then stuff jumps out of me and this is actually what happened with this topic i was online and I don't even know why this jumped out or why this ended up. I, it wasn't like I was looking up anything. I just read something on maybe a Facebook post or something, but it caught my eye and here we are. Um, I'm going to start with the different legends and then I'll go into the actual history. Um, I also have a bonus tale at the end about um, a different person. Um so here is the story of Molly Crenshaw, the voodoo witch of Missouri. Oh. And this, yeah. And so this is told, I have to burp because of that drink. This is told um, by Stan Fine from an article in the McDonald County Press. So this is his word. These are, these are his words. And I'm going to read it verbatim for you. So it is said that Molly Crenshaw, and I am going to give you the spelling of this because the Molly Crenshaw, the Voodoo Queen of Missouri, Molly is spelled M-O-L-L-Y. Just keep that in mind for later on in the story. 
It is said that Molly Crenshaw was a freed slave born in either Haiti or Jamaica, depending on who's telling the story. Details of her travels in the early part of her life are sketchy at best, but in the mid-1800s, she came to St. Charles, Missouri, which is right south of St. Louis. A small, oh, town west, I'm sorry. A small town west of St. Louis. While there, Molly made no attempt to conceal her late-hour habits of casting spells and assorted voodoo practices. Most of the people in the area were farmers, and each year the successful harvesting of prized and bountiful crops was celebrated. Families were blessed with more than enough to eat, there was money enough for more than just the bare essentials, and children grew up not knowing what hard times were like. The people of St. Charles, those believers in Molly's sorcery, who had feared, but at least from a distance, tolerated her when the crops were bountiful, were just as quick to blame her and the incantations, spells, and potions when crops failed. So it came to be that a year of poor weather came to the area, and as a rational person might predict, crops across the area failed. The years of plenty were then only memories, now, Molly was not hated and had not been credited with the good years. Why should she have been? After all, she was just a harmless voodoo witch. There were some who had even bought charms and spells from her when she came to town. On those occasions, Molly thanked them and wished them good luck. However, in the year of failed crops, there were those who believed that her mere existence was an affront to everything good and pure. Something needed to be done then and only then would the crops return to the fields. Some of the people in St. Charles began spreading words of hatred about Molly. There was talk that something of a drastic nature needed to be done and done soon. So it came to be that one darkened and moonless night, some of the townsfolk came to Molly's house and they came with malice in their hearts and they came with a length of rope. One end of the rope was tossed over a sturdy tree limb, and the other end, which had been fashioned into a noose, was placed over Molly's head and around her neck. Molly showed her utter disdain for those in the gathering and cursed them and all their children. Then the St. Charles witch was raised from the ground and hanged. There were those in the mob, those of a mother's mind, who believed that, even after death, Molly might pose a danger. So the still remains of Molly's body were hacked into small bits and pieces, and those fragments were buried at various sites, never again to be reunited. Wow. Yeah. So here's another variation to that. Uh, this legend claims that Molly cursed her own grave, meaning anyone that touched her grave would die a horrible death. Urban legend is that Molly's body, after she ki was killed, was cut into quarters and buried in four separate locations to reduce her ability to haunt. Allegedly, her body parts are still trying to rejoin. Rejoin. They draw closer together, crawling, wriggling, struggling to reassemble into the living corpse of Molly Crenshaw. So if you believe the urban legend... Many high school kids throughout the decades annually search for Molly's graves, and that's to this day they're still doing it. Can I in the nineteen something? Okay, yes, no, ahead. just so y'all know, uh, McDonald County is the very southwest corner of Missouri, right there by the Spook Light and Devil's Promenade and all of that weirdo 
freaky stuff that happens along the 37th parallel. I just want to throw that out there because if you follow us there, well, that this may not be true. I'm not sure how many stories we've done about McDonald County besides the spook light and all that stuff, but there is some weird, the, the butterfly people were there. There's some weird stuff that goes on in that County. Okay. That's all I wanted to say. Right at the southwest corner, Pineville is its county seat, I believe. Okay. So in the 1950s, two football players from Francis Powell High School tried to steal her tombstone. The family has since, and this is true, they have removed her headstone from the cemetery to prevent vandals from damaging it. Perhaps, if there is some truth to the story, the family hides the headstone to protect thrill-seekers from Molly's curse. Regardless, the sheriff later found their bodies impaled on the graveyard fence. Now, you can't find any information to back this up, but it is a good story. And I have another. In the 1970s, a group of high school students set off to find her grave by wandering around in the dark, screaming out insult. It's never a good idea. No insult the ghost. Mm-hmm. The students got stumped, which resulted in an accident that involved a young girl jumping from the old St. Charles Bridge in an attempt to escape Molly. Once again, no facts to support this. Right. Okay. And here are some crazy ramblings. So I found this on um, a website, like it's a blog page, um, kind of like a Reddit thing where they they have this a discussion, a chat room or whatever. And it's called Universal Monster Army. And this person, I'm pretty sure it's a woman, but it's going to be hard to read because she did not... Oh, grammar. Grammar's a thing. Anyway, Tracy Ramblings from Chef Gebhardt on the website Universal Monster Army. And if if you go to the our website and find the links and um, click on this link, please go to the comments because people are not very nice, but they are entertaining. So the story of Molly Crenshaw is very true. I lived at the farm on Towers Road. It was where Roger Towers and his family lived. This is also known as Towers Road. I'm adding words um, to make these sentences make sense, just so you know. The families have lived on the bottom of Missouri River and also on Towers Road. On Towers Road, there are two farms farmhouses left these are the top left there are the towers family farm the farm itself that i lived at is 200 feet from the gravesite and the story is true when we lived at the farm you would see the orbs in the woods and around the farm the farmhouse was haunted and the slave cellar was next to the house when we went down into the cellar you could see the shackles from where the slaves were kept Many kids from Francis Howell and other areas would go to the cemetery and mess with the grave and they would party trying to bring Molly back. And every time they did, the orbs in the woods appear and then at the farmhouse you see fall down by the farm. Those that mess with the graves are cursed. And it's true, very true. They did not know that when they entered the cemetery, they had disturbed not just Molly's grave, but the rest of the graves. 
The graveyard was cursed by Roger Towers, and I know this for a fact because of what was told to me by the elders of Harvester. The Barclidge family rented the farmhouse up the street from the farm I lived at, and at that time, Mrs. Barclidge was in her 50s, and she told the truth about the Molly Crenshaw, and even told me that history of the Towers family and the Crenshaw family, the real truth. Those that entered the cemetery to disturb the graves, you disturb the spirits. The only thing that can save their souls is to pray to the seven African gods. And then you must use holy water and bless the grave and tell them you are sorry for disturbing their spirits, or spurts, as she spelled it. If you do not... Okay, wait, I got a question. Yeah. I'm raising my hand. You are not calling on me. I can't see you because um I have I okay I can see you now. But okay. Uh uh now I've forgotten the question. Oh so was she black and did you say that? Yes, she was from Haiti or Jamaica. Okay. Is what the legend says. I totally missed that because it said you said pray to the African gods. The seven African gods. All right. I just wanted to make that clear because and their spurts. I mean spirits. But she spelled it spurts. All right, here we go. Okay, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> the only thing that can save their souls, okay, yeah, is just pray to the seven African gods, then you must use holy water and bless the grave and tell them you are sorry for disturbing their spirits. If you do not, you will seek orbs and you will also feel the spurts. Spurts. I, I hate feeling spurts. <laughs> I go there every <laughs> year to pay respect and make sure the grave has not been disturbed. The family that lives in the ranch house next watch over it and protect from harm. I know this for a fact, for I also have seen Molly's spirit and the orbs that surround her spirit. She was not doing harm, but to thank me for being respectful to her and the family. But I also, but also a witch. Practice Wicca. And I can tell you, if did wrong to her, you must make it right. If not, you will face the curse. So when you feel the spirit and you see the orbs at one time or another, you must do right or you face sickness and you and your offspring also. Molly's story is very true. Now listen, we're going into all camps right now. I don't know if I should yell this at you <laughs> or what. But she went from just regular typing with really bad grammatical errors to everything is in all caps. So here we go. Okay. And the root stone is spelled M-O-L-L-I-E-T-R-E-N-S-H-A-W. I can't do that for this long. Okay, all caps. And there are no other markers like it. If someone produces a marker with Molly Crenshaw, M-O-L-L-Y, that is not her tombstone. You know, because I know it since I was 12, and I'm 50 now. The other graves of the slaves are buried next to the fence facing Westerman's house, and they are marked by rocks from my stepmother's farm. Roger Towers and John Towers' old house was torn down by the Osman family. The other farmhouse still stands on Towers Road, and it's gray, and the other is on Jacob Station Road, and it's still standing. The one on Missouri Bottom was destroyed by fire in the 60s. Yes, the story of Molly is very true. Oh, Exclamation point. That was exhausting. It was exhausting. Like, I'm tired from just reading that. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. M O L L I E Crenshaw. Yes, that is the correct spelling. If you're talking about on the tombstone, that's the correct spelling. But if you're talking about the voodoo queen, it's M O L L Y. There, that's one of many discrepancies. Hmm. But, um, okay, so here's a story. Uh, St. Louis ghost stories that just won't die, and this was one of them. Ghost stories exist because most people want some kind of tangible connection to the past. So says Christopher Gordon, director of the Missouri History Museum's Library and Collections. Oh, wait, I may be going into our just a moment. I don't want all of this. Okay, are you going to tell us? I mean, if if McDonald County's in the southwest corner, this is just stories from St. Louis? Um, so this is still Molly Crenshaw. Okay. This is still Molly Crenshaw. I will, I will let you know. So this is Molly Crenshaw. It's hard to keep a good woman down. That's right. what this is from. Um, she may be the most well-known woman in the history of St. Charles County. Francis Howell High School, generations of students pass along the myth of Crenshaw, a bitter Haitian, sometimes Jamaican, woman who was allegedly lynched as a witch in the mid-1800s after villagers blamed her for a de devastating crop failure. You know, when I see the word devastating, I want to say devastating. That's how it looks to me. Anyway, in other versions of the story, Crenshaw is a freed slave and a voodoo practitioner who casts spells on neighbors. Just before being murdered at the hands of the angry mob, Crenshaw warned that anyone who touched her grave would drop dead. Legend has it that the townspeople chopped her bodies into quarters, buried them across the countryside, but so that she would never rise again. All right, so there's all the legends of Molly Crenshaw. M-O-L-L-Y. So here's the actual history of M-O-L-L-I-E Crenshaw. Because okay. if you look for Molly Crenshaw in this area at this time, this is the only person you can find. Um, it is not as fun. I mean, not that the drawing and quartering of the woman was fun, but um, it's not as fun or scary, and it's kind of depressing. Oh. Um, this is from uh, the Riverfront Times out of St. Louis, and it is by Lisa Greenbaum. So this is the real Molly Crenshaw. Uh, she wasn't a witch or a murder victim or a Caribbean woman. To the obituary that ran in the now defunct St. Charles Cosmo Monitor, Crenshaw was a school teacher turned spinster who quietly ended her own life one morning with carbolic acid she had purchased from the drugstore. Oh. Her paper reported that she became despondent after losing her hearing with age. Crenshaw was also white, according to her death certificate, and died in 1913, decades later than the local legend has it. Moreover, she was buried not in four parts, but in a difficult-to-find private family burial ground. To this day, Crenshaw's remaining descendants, relatives of her maternal uncle George Towers, which there's the Towers firm that that woman was screaming about, have no idea how their ancestor became so infamous around St. Charles. It appears, though, that the legend really gained steam in the 1960s, a time when St. Charles was a hotbed for people interested in witchcraft. Hmm. 
The family seems to think that the legend did grow out of the real person. She had a really unfortunate life, and it was an intolerant time, says Ray Castile, a local horror enthusiast and former journalist who has written several pieces on Crenshaw. You can see how in schoolyards or something, people would make up stories about someone who was ill or disabled. There was so much stigma about suicide then, I'm sure it caused quite a commotion in St. Charles. In the mid-1970s, Crenshaw's myth was so entrenched that the reference librarians at the Catherine Linneman branch of the St. Charles City County Library started keeping a file of genealogical information and newspaper clippings about her. By 1979, Crenshaw's popularity led the family to remove her headstone from their burial ground. So her grave is still there, but her headstone is not. For several years in the early 2000s, Joe Glenn operated a Molly Crenshaw-themed haunted forest in St. Charles County's Rotary Park in conjunction with the St. Louis Renaissance Fair. Like other Francis Howell um, alumni, Glenn, who was class of 1978, remembers scouring forests and old graveyards looking for the clocks that held Crenshaw's remains. It was rumored that her severed body parts inched closer and closer to each other with every passing year. In 2006, Glenn and some friends finally found the real Crenshaw's gravesite after consulting librarians. So there you go. The truth is not as much at all. I do, um, I do here is my bonus story, though. Okay, I got a question. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I screwed up. Did you not say McDonald County? No, McDonald County is, um, one of the one of the articles came from the McDonald's. Oh, Press. okay. I'm sorry, people. I totally screwed up. It's not in the southwest corner of the state. It's up north of St. Louis. Yeah, it's St. Charles. It's because so, like you kept saying St. Charles, and I was like, well, that's north. That's How is that? Okay, I'm sorry. Totally. That's all right. Probably heard McDonald County. Okay, sorry. Go. All right. Here is our um, bonus. Story and this is from Clever or the Nixa area. Okay, so that is an hour northish of us, right? Northwest of us. Uh, yes, north for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, you know who that is? It's I'm so sorry. Who is it? That is your freaking daughter. Oh, yeah, letter. Tell her yeah, you call her gonna, back. Yeah, I'll text her. Sorry about that, y'all. I'm sure you can hear that, my ringtone. Sorry. Okay, keep going. I'm sure she's calling Dawn to tell her what she's supposed to play. Yes, she Okay, is. here we go. This is Maleptus the Necromancer. Okay. So, Maleptus the Witch is one of the most forgotten stories related to the Missouri Ozarks. Perhaps the most incredible, if the stories are to be believed. Victoria Munsford, the witch known as Malectus, was born in the Lincoln Township in southwestern Missouri, most likely present-day Nixa or Clever, in 1841. The only daughter of Victor and Louise Munsford, Victoria was homeschooled and trained in the art of cooking and sewing. Stories are unclear, but according to an 1849 edition of the Gazette, a local periodical, Victoria went missing on February 23rd, 1849, which is almost, I mean, you're recording this on the 22nd. 
So tomorrow is the anniversary of her going missing. Okay, she was assumed dead, and today remains the last concrete proof of her existence, a weathered headstone in Mount Carmel Cemetery, marking an empty grave, placed by the Mumsfords as a memorial to their lost daughter. However, Victoria was not dead. She returned home in 1857, 80 years after she had gone missing. No reason was ever given for her disappearance, and Victoria remained silent about her disappearance despite the efforts family and neighbors gave to uncover the truth. The Victoria that returned was not, however, the same girl who left. She was prone to fits and rages at times and long periods of silence at others. On more than one instance, she was found outside, unclosed, under the moon, with self-inflicted wounds bleeding on her arms and legs. A physician was called in 1858 to rid Victoria of what her father referred to as the phantasm. Wow. The physician could find nothing to treat, but he wiped blood by leeching as a precaution. Sure. As you do. Later, as you do. Later that year, Victoria's father, Victor, was contacted by Confederate General Benjamin McCulloch with an assignment. Mumsford was appointed to keep an eye on the movement and activity of the Union Army so that an ambush might be planned against them. Writings between the Union General and General Theron Siegel in early July 1861 indicate that he was aware of an ambush and had been assured by his, of his victory by a woman of power over death. So this is what uh, Union General Nathaniel Lyon wrote. It is with haste that we must part to the Lincoln Township, for there we shall have victory for our union. I have come across the most peculiar woman with powers to control the earth itself, as witnessed by my own eyes. Indeed, she knows of a gathering of Confederates numbering over 10,000, but she will deliver them into our hands. I know not whether she will be witch or angel, though I suspect the former. Her price for this aid was a locket of my own hair, refusing any gold. Oh. oh, so whether Lyon had met Victoria or some other woman is uncertain. However, on August 2nd, 1861, Lyon's 6,000 men prevailed against the combined 12,000 men of McCulloch's army, the Missouri State Guard, and the Arkansas State Troopers. Among the casualties was Victoria's father, Victor. As the folktale goes, Victoria became unhinged by the death of her father, Unable to face her loss, it is said that she forced her father from the grave, but this only increased her pain. It is about this time that the name Meleptus was first written, and many theorized that she adopted the name herself because Victoria was too reminiscent of Victor. Within eight days, both armies had been brought back together to fight the Battle of Wilson's Creek, which we've also done a story on. Yes, we have. Resulting, yeah, resulting in massive casualties, including the death of General, General Lyon. It is said that Malectus hunted soldiers in the battle, taking lives of both Union and Confederate soldiers alike, and enslaving the corpses to do her bidding. While the story of Malectus had been forgotten by most, many still tell tales of gunshots that can be heard at the Wilson Creek's battle site, soldiers still shooting, terrified of the witch, even in death. 
Over the next 20 years, reports of fires, missing children, disturbed graves, graves, mutilated pets, and unusual deaths increased fourfold. Many blamed Malectus the Necromancer or the She-Witch for their troubles. Whether Malectus caused the problems or not is still widely debated between many of us at the Ozarks Historical Society. One belief is that the stories are true, that Malectus was either a witch or else a crafty criminal who used the rumor of her ability to control the dead to spread fear. The other belief is that Malectus was falsely accused, blamed only because she was different. Those subscribing to this belief believe that Malectus may have suffered from a mild form of schizophrenia. Mm. Regardless, Malectus was tried as a witch in October 1881 and found guilty. She was burned at the stake under the port of him. Over the next year, the townspeople spread stories of Malectus's last words. Some say she screamed her father's name. Others said she laughed as she burned, promising to be awakened. Others still said she just stood silently as she died. Much has faded to legend, and Electus lived on as a ghost story in the Lincoln Township until the early 1920s. Indeed, children would skip rope to a rhyme inspired by the legend. Come wake up the sleeping lady, come and read up Tito Lee. Come and wake the sleeping lady, maybe then she'll come for me. Are you? Okay. That um, was it. And that was by, um, looks like Dr. Martin Brandenburg from MSU. Let me just say, you freaking never uh, give a witch your hair or fingernails. Yeah, you would think they would know that back then, right? Yeah, I, I mean, not. come on. So. I guess not. Well, there it is. That was your bonus story. It was almost better than the original yeah, one. Yeah, but... yes, it was. Yeah. All right. That was good. Yeah. Witches, witches in the Ozark. Witches. God knows. Yeah, Ozark witches. And when I try to find Ozark witches, like an image, because I like to post images on the uh, uh, website, is the word I was looking for. You can't, it was like a little cutesy bitch with a, like a little girl in an oversized hat. That's all the pictures I could get. And I was like, what is happening? So no pictures of witches on this one. Huh. Yeah. Okay, that was good. That was good. Thanks. Yeah, we like witch stories. Yeah. Um, okay, well, we're thank you all for listening. I've got to call Peyton now. Um, so uh please tune in on the first and the fifteenth. Um, we're on all the podcasts, leave us stars, subscribe, all the things. Um, visit our Patreon if you would, please. We'd really appreciate that. Um, check, uh, Instagram and Facebook are our social media. And then the website, we put other fun and the cocktail recipe. You're going to want this one. Like I'm a little buzzed and it was good. Look how, look how red my face is. I told you it made me hot before I even started. I had to take hey, it. It makes me out. hot too. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I guess we'll say goodbye. Say goodbye. Yep. Did you say goodbye? I said goodbye. It cut, it cut off. All I heard was Good. Okay. <laughs> goodbye. And remember, if you liked it, tell all your friends. But if you didn't, keep, keep your, your big, big mouth, mouth shut. shut.